Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. So if you've got a Bible with you, could you turn to 2 Timothy in the New Testament and chapter 3? If you don't have a Bible, obviously there's apps these days, so fear not. My recommendation is the ESV app. If you like something that looks beautiful and works really well and is a good translation, the ESV app is your go-to app. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, this, we're in the middle of a, a, a teaching series, Bring Out the Book. Hopefully you will know that if you're following with us. And we, the, the, the series is designed to fuel our passion for the Bible so that more Bible might be read by more people and obeyed and followed because we believe that this book provides life for us. And in this sermon, I want to change tack and move from thinking about us individually and what we're doing reading the Bible alone to thinking about essentially what is happening right now. So I want to basically give a a preach about preaching. I want to give a sermon about sermons. And I, I want to just take a few moments to fan into flame a desire amongst us that when we get together, we would not be satisfied until the book has been read and it has been preached from. That we might be like Nehemiah 8 in the congregation there, where they weren't just satisfied to have Ezra's opinions or thoughts about the cultural moment that they were in, but they were only going to be satisfied where Ezra bought out the book and he taught from the Bible. This is the kind of church that we want to be, as we're going to find out just in this message. So it's a little bit like being in a room of mirrors right now because I'm preaching about the very thing that I'm doing, but we want to lay a foundation that when we gather, one of the key things that we do is hear the Bible read and preached. So what I want to do from 2 Timothy here is read the, the, some of the last words of a dying man to a loved apprentice. This is the Apostle Paul, the last letter that Timothy received, the last words that he received. And we all know that the last words of anyone in their life, they're meaningful words. They count for something. They have weight to them. They are the the words that they, when all is said and done, when life quietens down and all the striving and the work and the business is done, when my last breaths are here, what is it that I want to say? And this is what Paul has to say to Timothy. So we're reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And only to me, I'm sorry, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. These words, the last, some of the last words of a dying man to his apprentice. And, and what is the very core of what he wants to pass on to this church pastor? When you gather together as a church, what does he say? Preach the word. It's amazing that this would be one of the last things that he wants to, to say. So what I want to do is look at preaching for a few minutes and look at why I do this. What is preaching? It's not quite teaching. Because you can go to a TED talk and you can hear some very interesting teaching. I enjoy them. Sociology, psychology, whatever it might be, some new findings. Guys, that's teaching. And it contains teaching because he says here in this passage, he says, preach the word. And then at the end of the verse, he says, with complete patience and teaching. So there's an overlap between teaching and preaching, but they're not entirely the same. All good preaching, one pastor says, must contain teaching. And all good teaching will eventually lead to some preaching. But preaching is not just raising your voice sometimes, like I want to do if I get a little bit excited in church. My Pentecostal brothers and sisters will appreciate it. It's not just like teaching, but turning the volume up. Preaching is a proclamation. It's a heralding of good news, of something that has been accomplished for us on our behalf. You can't preach sociology. You can't preach psychology. You can't preach science. You can teach those things. I want to suggest that the only book that we can actually proclaim something from is this book, the Bible, because it's in this book that we have a declaration of something that has happened on our behalf. Whether you're in this room or outside of this room, whether you say you're a Christian right now or you don't say you're a Christian, something has happened for us. And this book declares it, and it is our job when we gather as God's people to have this truth proclaimed, exalted in, and heralded. Back in olden times, there would be a town crier, and he would have a huge bell. I seriously thought about bringing a bell into church this Sunday, and I was going to clang it really loudly. And because there would be a time before Twitter and BBC News homepage when there would be a town cry and it was his job to clang a bell and to call people to himself. Hear ye, hear ye, there has been a decree from the king or there is a new king or there is a new queen on the throne or a great victory has been won by the king and here is the announcement, England is victorious. I, I did find out there are town cries in all sorts of nations all around the world. So I just thought it was an English thing. No, all around the world, apparently, these town cries or village cries existed. And it is our job as we gather together to proclaim the excellencies of the God whom we serve. And we don't just have an earthly king or queen, do we, church? We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the leader of leaders, the saviour of saviours, King Jesus himself. There is a king on his throne and his name is Christ, the Messiah, and he is to be proclaimed and heralded from this book. And we don't fight battles against other armies. We don't pick up physical weapons of war as his people. Christ never did that. And yet there was an enemy that Christ took on, Satan, sin, and death. 
all the wrongdoing in our own life and the stuff that just dogs us and keeps us down and keeps us feeling guilty and ashamed and holding us back in life. Satan and evil, everything that keeps this world oppressed and death itself that seems to render everything meaningless. There is a savior who has come and it is our job to proclaim this victorious king who has come across Satan's sin and death and has come to the front line of the battle. And he has taken on sin in the cross and was crucified in our place, who took on death and was crucified for us. He died in our place and he took on Satan who thought that he had won, but our gentle, victorious Messiah got up, what, three days later to be declared the victorious King of Kings. Hallelujah. And now he sits on his throne and he is calling subjects to himself and he is pardoning rebels like you and me that we might enter into his kingdom and experience the blessings and the riches of living under his rule. He says, you can come and live under my rule. How do I do that? I've been rebelling against you. I've been fighting against you, King Jesus. All these years, I pardon you through my death and resurrection. You are pardoned. Enter. You are pardoned. Enter. You are pardoned. Enter. And so we come freely on the free gift of our King Jesus. Only this book can be proclaimed like that. And we need this book to be proclaimed week after week after week. Because I want to suggest if you're anything like me, we are prone to walking away from the presence of Jesus, aren't we? We are prone to turning our back on the goodness of God. We are prone to seeing Jesus and rebelling in our hearts and wanting to do things our own way. And preaching is designed to pierce the triviality of this world, to pierce our souls and turn our shoulders back to see the glory of our King Jesus. Preaching is designed not just discuss some tips or some philosophies you don't want to gather to church to hear my thoughts on a Sunday they are not profound but if I could sit under the authority of Jesus word and proclaim this God to us we would have our shoulders turned again and again to see the glory of the one who can actually give us life and give us energy for the day and restore our souls and provide eternal life when all is said and done and we die only Jesus can do this so we want this Jesus, amen? amen? So if you ever get like twitching the service saying no one's brought out the book yet, you need to shout out. It's time to bring out the book. If you get twitchy like, where's the Bible today? You have my permission to shout out in church, bring out the book. We haven't seen the Bible yet. It might be on an app. That's all right these days. But you've got to bring out the book at some point because philosophy and TED Talks and science will not get us through the darkness of this life. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death and only a proclamation from the word is going to sustain us in this life and the next. Paul gives a couple of reasons. I've already given some of them, getting ahead of myself. But let me just say three quick things. We need preaching of the word because of our culture. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says in verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having ancient ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We are prone to not wanting challenge in our life. We like it when everything and everybody around us affirms us and our beliefs and our lifestyle choices, don't we? It's, it's awkward where someone challenges us or we come across a different point of view around belief and lifestyle choices. 
And in fact, our life is beginning to be programmed so that we live basically in individual echo chambers, that your phone basically rebounds what you think and believe back to you so that we are caught in these eddies of always being affirmed. Whether we're right or wrong, we find ourselves affirmed in what we believe and we quite like it that way. And what Paul is saying, when you gather together, you need a book that is not curated by society because that is just playing to itchy ears. You need a book that has been curated by God himself who can actually provide the help we actually need, even when it comes with a challenge, even when it comes with a rebuke, even when God might put his finger on a lifestyle choice and say that needs to change. He's saying you need to bring out this book because the pressure on Timothy was huge in a city just like ours in Ephesus with sophistication and wealth. The temptation for Timothy was to play down a crucified Messiah. Talking about a Messiah who was crucified, who we now give our allegiance to, doesn't play well today, but it's never played well in culture. And I feel it sometimes. Am I going to get up again on a Sunday and talk about Jesus? This Jesus who so many people will mock and laugh at, a crucified God who we are now saying was raised from the dead. This is fantastical stuff. And Paul charges Timothy, you preach the word, Timothy. Trinity Church London, you keep preaching the word in season and out of season, whether London applauds you or they don't applaud you. You keep opening the book and you preach the word. Secondly, because the Bible itself, we read this in a famous verse, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God, literally God breathed. This book is no ordinary book. Who knows that? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, this is no ordinary book. This is no ordinary book. That's right, Chris. <laughs> this is the very exhalings of a creator God in our hands right now. And this book provides life. Look what Paul says. This is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, all of us, men and women, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Even the best advice from a life coach or science or psychology or a TED talk will only take you so far. There is only one book that is breathed out by God that will equip you for every good work. Whether you are a nurse or a mum or a dad or a youth worker or an accountant or an architect, only one book will provide everything you need to get through your weeks and to thrive. And it's this breathed out Holy Spirit inspired book. And the third thing is this, because of God. Paul says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. On what grounds and on why should we preach the word? He's saying because there are great eternal realities ahead of us, and we are continually moving towards the trivial we are continually moving towards the superficial, the light, the fluffy, the colourful. We, we do not like sometimes the emotional weight of having to deal with our own mortality. If God were actually real, if he actually existed, what would it mean for my life? If there really was a heaven and there really was a hell, if those things are true, what does it mean for my life? If there is a salvation in a crucified Messiah, what does it actually mean for my life? I don't know if some of you have seen Jordan Peterson, you know, the academic, the American, the Canadian academic, I think, 
um, quite controversial. We got a, a, a bestseller, I think it was 12 Rules for Life a couple of years ago. Not a Christian, just in the last couple of weeks, broke down in tears on a, on a Zoom interview with someone. You can Google it. Broke down in tears as he contemplated the fact that actually he beginning to think that he does believe in this Jesus, that he thinks that it's the only plausible account of this man. And his words were, and he says, it's a terrifying thought that this could be true. He's in tears. Sometimes the biggest realities, eternal life, glory, a, someone who's going to come and judge the living and the dead to make everything right, everything that's wrong right in the world, to bring an account for everything that we've done. These kind of realities, the, the realities that matter the most are the ones that we keep our heads in the sand from. And so in the light of the great realities, eternal, infinite realities, we must preach from the book that punctures triviality. You can get superficial and laughs and trivial in any other place. I want to suggest that when we gather on a Sunday, there should be a hunger in us to get what is meaningful, for what is true, what is eternal, what is actually going to bring us real joy in this life. So church, we're going to preach from the book, amen? And I want to make an invitation, because this is for you whether you're in church, whether you're a Christian, you say yes to Jesus, or you're not a Christian. I don't know where you stand with God right now. You might not be a Christian. Let me say this. Preaching from the word is not just a Christian niche thing. That good news preaching is for all of London. Every single person in London is invited to this Jesus through the preaching of the word. So whether you are lonely, and some of us have struggled with loneliness, there is a God who has come down in the flesh and he is called Jesus and he has lived a life in the flesh. He knows what it's like to live in your skin and to go through the trials and the difficulties and the weight of this life. And his name is Jesus. Are you struggling with guilt and shame and you are scared to really unveil who you really are? There is a God who has lived the perfect life on your behalf. He has lived a righteous life and he is willing to give you his perfect life. If you would just ask, he will give it to you, his righteousness. He said, it's yours. That's why I died. Are you struggling with negative thoughts and you're always spiraling into darkness? There is one who has been crucified with all of our wrongdoing and all the darkness and his name is Jesus. Are you struggling for hope? Turn to Jesus. He is the one who has been raised from the dead and is now alive and kicking in the flesh whom you can talk to and provide hope from. Are you feeling weak in life? Are you feeling pooped? <laughs> Are you feeling like you're struggling to get through your days? Did you know that Jesus right now with everlasting energy is praying for you, that your faith might hold, that you will be sustained. You will make it to the gates of glory because Jesus is praying for you right now. Are you struggling to find calling and meaning in your life? Are you thinking, what is my life really about? I don't feel like I've found my purpose. There is a God who is coming to judge the living and the dead. Our life is headed somewhere. Your life is being watched. It's being accounted for. Everything you're doing right now will be brought out into the light. And it means something. Everything you do at your computer, with your emails, with your work colleagues, with your children in the home, doing the dishwasher for the hundredth time, everything you do in Jesus' name means something because God is coming back to judge the living and the dead. Hallelujah.
Shall we applaud this Jesus? Can we?